the imp of the perverse is a story that begins with an essay on what Freud later on called the death wish, but which Poe calls uh, the principle of perversity, that is, the desire of human beings to do something simply because they know it is against what they really, or a great part of them really want. He gives examples. We have a task before us which must be speedily performed. We know that it will be ruinous to make delay. The most important crisis of our life calls, trumpet-tongued for immediate energy and action. We glow, we are consumed with eagerness to commence the work, with the anticipation of whose glorious result our whole souls are on fire. It must, it shall be undertaken today, and yet we put it off until tomorrow. And why? There is no answer except that we feel perverse, using the word with no comprehension of the principle. Tomorrow arrives, and with it a more impatient anxiety to do our duty. But with this very increase of anxiety arrives also a nameless, a positively fearful because unfathomable craving for delay. This craving gathers strength as the moments fly. The last hour for action is at hand. We tremble with the violence of the conflict within us, of the definite with the indefinite, of the substance with the shadow. But if the contest has proceeded thus far, it is the shadow which prevails. We struggle in vain. The clock strikes and is the knell of our welfare. At the same time, it is the chanticleer note to the ghost that has so long overawed us. It flies, it disappears, we are free. The old energy returns. We will labour now. Alas, it is too late. We stand upon the brink of a precipice. We peer into the abyss. We grow sick and dizzy. Our first impulse is to shrink from the danger. Unaccountably, we remain. By slow degrees, our sickness and dizziness and terror become merged in a cloud of unnameable feeling. By gradations, still more imperceptible, this cloud assumes shape, as did the vapour from the bottle out of which arose the genii in the Arabian nights. But out of this our club cloud upon the precipice's edge there grows into palpability a shape far more terrible than any genius or any demon of a tale, and yet it is but a thought, although a fearful one, and one that chills the very marrow of our bones with the fierceness of the delight of its horror. It is merely the idea of what would be our sensations during the sweeping precipitancy of the fall from such a height. And this fall, this rushing annihilation, for the very reason that it involves that one most ghastly and loathsome of all, the most ghastly and loathsome images of death and some suffering that have ever presented themselves to our imagination, for this very reason do we now most vividly desire it. And because our reason violently deters us from the brink, therefore do we the more tempestuously approach it. There is no passion in nature so demoniacally 
impatient as that of him who, shuddering upon the edge of a precipice, thus meditates a plunge. To indulge for a moment in any attempt at thought is to be inevitably lost, for reflection but urges us to forbear, and therefore it is, I say, that we cannot. If there be no friendly arm to check us, or if we fail in a sudden effort to state ourselves backward from the abyss, we plunge and are destroyed. Examine these and similar actions as we will, we shall find them resulting solely from the spirit of the perverse. We perpetrate them merely because we feel that we should not. Beyond or behind this, there is no intelligible principle, and we might indeed deem this perverseness a direct instigation of the arch-fiend, were it not occasionally known to operate in furtherance of good. I have said this much, that in some measure I may answer your question, that I may explain to you why I am here, that I may assign to you something that shall have at least the faint aspect of a cause for my wearing these fetters and for my tenanting the cell of the condemned. Had I not been thus prolix, you might either have misunderstood me altogether, or with the rabble you have fancied me mad. As it is, you will easily perceive that I am one of the many uncounted victims of the imp of the perverse. It is impossible that any deed should have been wrought with more thorough deliberation. For weeks, for months, I pondered upon the means of the murder. I rejected a thousand schemes because their accomplishment involved a chance of, of detection. At length, in reading some French memoirs, I found an account of a nearly fatal illness that occurred to Madame Pilau through the agency of a candle accidentally poisoned. The idea struck my fancy at once. I knew my victim's habit of reading in bed. I knew, too, that his apartment was narrow and ill-ventilated. But I need not vex you with impertinent details. I need not describe the easy artifice by which I substituted in his bedroom candle-stand a wax light of my own making for the one which I there found. The next morning he was discovered dead in his bed, and the coroner's verdict was, Death by the visitation of God. Having inherited his estate, all went well with me for years. The idea of detection never once entered my brain. Of the remains of the fatal taper, I had myself carefully disposed. I had left no shadow of a clue by which it would be possible to convict or even suspect me of the crime. It is inconceivable how rich a sentiment of satisfaction arose in my bosom as I reflected upon my absolute security. For a very long period of time, I was accustomed to revel in this sentiment. It afforded me more real delight than all the mere worldly advantages accruing from my sin. But there arrived at length an epoch from which the pleasure, pleasurable feeling grew by scarcely perceptible gradations into a haunting and harassing thought. It harassed me because it haunted. I could scarcely get rid of it for an instant. It is quite a common thing to be thus annoyed with the ringing in our ears, or rather in our memories, 
or the burthen of some ordinary song, or some unimpressive snatches from an opera. Nor will we be the least tormented if the song in itself be good, or the opera air meritorious. In this manner at last, I would perpetually catch myself pondering upon my security and repeating in a low undertone the phrase, I am safe. One day, while sauntering along the street, I arrested myself in the act of murmuring half aloud these customary syllables. In a fit of petulance, I remodelled them thus. I am safe. I am safe, yes, if I be not fool enough to make open confession. No sooner had I spoken these words than I felt an icy chill creep to my heart. I had some experience in these fits of perversity, whose nature I had been at some trouble to explain, and I remembered well that in no instance had I successfully resisted their attacks, and now my own casual suggestion that I might possibly be fool enough to confess the murder of which I had been guilty confronted me, as if the very ghost of him whom I had murdered, and beckoned me on to death. At first I made an effort to shake off this nightmare of the soul. I walked vigorously, faster, still faster. At length I ran. I felt a maddening desire to shriek aloud. Every succeeding wave of thought overwhelmed me with new terror. For alas, I too well understood that to think in my situation was to lose, was to be lost. I still quickened my pace. I bounded like a madman through the crowded thoroughfares. At length the populace took the alarm and pursued me. I felt then the consummation of my fate. Could I have torn out my tongue, I would have done it. But a rough voice resounded in my ears. A rougher grasp seized me by the shoulder. I turned. I gasped for breath. For a moment I experienced all the pangs of suffocation. I became blind and deaf and giddy, and then some invisible fiend, I thought, struck me with his broad palm upon the back. The long-imprisoned secret burst forth from my soul. They say that I spoke with a distinct enunciation, but with marked emphasis and passionate hurry, as if in dread of interruption, before concluding the brief but pregnant sentences that consigned me to the hangman and to hell. Having related all that was necessary for the fullest judicial and conviction, I fell prostrate in a swoon. But why shall I say more? Today I wear these chains and am here. Tomorrow I shall be fetterless. But where?